Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you would like to stand, you're welcome to. We just do that in honor of the word of the Lord. In the Bible, they stood and they heard the word of the Lord read sometimes for hours. They stood, and so we just do that as a custom to show reverence for the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse number 6 is where we'll begin. It says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That pretty much covers all day, right? And not only do we have them on our hearts, and we have them in our minds, and we have them in our mouths, but we have these words and these commandments. We bind them upon our hand, and they would literally do this, some of the people of that time and people still do it today little scrolls they carry the word of the lord and they shall be as frontlets before thine eyes so everything we see throughout our day should be filtered through the word of god because we need to learn to walk by faith and not by sight no matter what we're seeing going on in the world today we need to filter it through the promises of the word of god and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house And on thy gates. It's a public declaration. A Christian lives here. Sorry if that offends you. But a Christian lives here. Sorry if you don't want to come to my house. To talk to me because I'm a Christian. But I don't apologize. That I am a Christian. So let me preface today by saying. In no means am I trying to be arrogant. During this sermon today. But the enemy is very bold in his declaration. And so my desire today is in the next few moments to boldly declare the Lord's opinion and his word. I'm no better than anyone else, but for the grace of God, I would be who knows where and doing who knows what. I would rather not think about it and I would rather not find out. I'm no better than anyone else. Anything I say today is simply the word of the Lord and the authority of his word. And my desire before again we get into this is not to attack anyone, not to say anybody is wrong for sake of condemning them. I would desire that all would become to a place of repentance and all would become saved. That is my desire because it's his desire, not because I'm good, but because he is good. So prefacing those things, Somebody's right and somebody's wrong. When two people have differing opinions, every once in a while, neither one is wrong. But when it comes to eternal matters and when it comes to the truths of God's word and the world we live in, the eternal truths, an old song says the Bible is right and somebody's wrong. The Bible is right. Amen. So we, as a church, we're, we're having a revival of prayer, and that's awesome. God's spirit is moving like it did today, and there's nothing like it, and that's what we pray for. We also must make sure we are prioritizing God's word. So that's what we're going to talk about today. One more time, we're going to pray. We're just going to ask the Lord to help us. His word needs no help, but we do. And so what we're going to pray is we ask the Lord to speak to me, 
Speak to my heart. Open my understanding. And I surrender for you to have your way in me today. Lord, I don't want to resist your word today. I don't want to wrestle with your word. I don't want to fight against your word. If I'm lacking understanding, that's fine. That's different. But in my spirit, I don't want to rebel with your word. When I see truth, I don't want to run away from it. But I want to embrace it. Because by your truth, you set us free. And you love us today. We've already established that. You have told us that in the last few moments. That you love us. Help us to trust you enough to follow your word today. And to do everything your word declares. In Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. A man named George Mueller, who was known for his strong faith, confided or confessed that the first three years after his conversion, he neglected the word of God. He says, since I began to search it diligently, the blessing has been wonderful. I have read the Bible through 100 times and always with increasing delight. Oh, that we would find a love for the Word of God that George Mueller possessed. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, testified, Read the Bible and read it again. And do not despair to help to understand Something of the will in the mind of God. Though you think they are fast locked up from you. Or in other words, in contemporary language, you can't seem to understand what it's saying. Keep on reading it. Don't trouble yourself. Though you may not have commentaries and expositions that will explain to you what God's word is saying. But pray and read and read and pray. For a little from God's word is better than a great deal from man. Read God's word. C.H. Spurgeon said, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt. Or else not to believe it at all. Believe this book of God. Every letter of it. Or else reject it. There is no logical standing between the two. With the Word of God, as much as our culture doesn't want absolutes, it's either all or nothing. If Jesus isn't Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. We have to learn to give ourselves totally to His Word. Completely to His Word. And although we may have a different covenant with the Lord than they had in Deuteronomy... The principles and the counsel of the Bible are still alive today. One of the things that's awesome about the Word of God is it's never outdated. No matter what people try to tell you today, the Word of God is not just for time in the past. But it's for today. It's forever settled in heaven and it makes us wise unto salvation. Deuteronomy 6.1 We want to hear the word of the Lord today. It says, now these are the commandments, the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. Moses is saying, this is not my opinion, but this is what the Lord has commanded me to teach you. That you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. 
that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God. That means reverence him and trust him to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life and that thy days may be prolonged. There is a result of both physical and spiritual health when you look at the word of the Lord and you follow it. Your days will be prolonged. You will live a longer, more peaceful life. And if you die of a young age here, certainly following the word of God will give you eternal life, which is never ending. Here, therefore, verse 3 says, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with you, and that you might increase mightily. We're praying for mighty increase in our church. We're praying that God has His way. We're praying that He does something in our life that makes us to grow in Him. Not just a little bit of increase, but a supernatural increase. And that increase will come as we follow the commandments of the Word of God. As the Lord of God of thy fathers has promised you in the land that floweth with milk, and honey, there are promises that God wants us to walk in. He wants to increase both the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in each and every one of our lives. But that increase comes through the Word of God. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. He is one Lord. There is no other gods before Him. It might feel good to say, let's all just have the bumper sticker that says to coexist and let's just hold hands and sing kumbaya and all of us are going to make it to heaven regardless of what we believe or who we follow. Or, but God is one. He is no, there is no division in the God that we serve. And even though He's manifested Himself throughout history in many ways, including most notably the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These are not separate gods, but they are one God. And thankfully, we don't have to pray to some hundred or thousands of gods. Some cultures and some religions, you have to pray to a different God for every problem you have. you got to memorize which category the God falls under and got to look it up. And it sounds ridiculous, it sounds funny, but it's true. You got to have like the, the quarterback has that thing on his arm to tell which play. And he's looking at the audible. Okay, that's under this column, this column. You got to wear that if you serve these, some of these gods. Okay, I got trouble with my hangnail today. Who do I talk to? I'm being a jerk to my wife. Who do I talk to besides my wife? But our God, we only got to remember one name, and the name is Jesus. The name is Jesus. God is a God for ADD. You don't have to remember a bunch. You don't have to focus more than a second. You just got to say Jesus. And then you can go back to watching the fly or whatever. But just Jesus is enough. Because that is the name of the Father. The Son said, I come in my Father's name. And we know the name of the Son is Jesus. And, and the Holy Ghost, Jesus said, He will send in my name. So when we say Jesus, we're not leaving anything out. 
And just quickly, we don't have time to really go into this in depth today, but the Father is simply the eternal creator, the one true living God that spoke the worlds into existence that fills all time and space. That's the Father. He's the Father because he, is, he created everything. He's the originator of everything. The Son is simply the humanity of Jesus Christ. God was a man and he was the spirit of the Father inside. He was both man and he was both, he was both man and God. All the fullness that God is dwelt inside of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, God is a spirit. God is holy. The Holy Spirit is God. There's no need to separate it. If God's a spirit and he's everywhere, why would he need another spirit? So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are the same God. Revealed to us in different ways. At the end of the day, He is the one true living God. There's none beside Him. There's none like Him. It does no good to serve somebody else or to pray to somebody else. We have direct access to Him. We don't have to pray through a saint. We don't have to pray through me as the pastor. You don't have to come to me and say, Pastor, I need to pray through you. You can get a direct line to Jesus. You don't have to go through the operator. I know most of us have no clue what a switchboard is. Because we know nothing but cell phones. But there was a day that you can Google and find out about later. Where you had to call an operator. And and some people live vicariously through someone else. And they pray through somebody else or someone else. But we can call on Jesus ourselves. And have a direct relationship with Him. and, And He comes and He fills us with His Spirit. Because again, the Holy Spirit isn't another spirit. It's just God's spirit that lives inside of us. And so we get filled with his spirit and we begin to have a relationship with him that we are directly accessing him each and every day. He lives in us and we are in him. So it's not just a a form of religion where we hope there's a God out there that somehow hears us. There's many people who have a religion and they pray to a God who has never responded. Who they just have to hope is listening. Who they crawl on glass to see him. And that God does nothing. But we serve a God who hears every single word. And if he'll be that committed to me. Why would I not be committed to Him? And that's where He says the Lord is one Lord, reminding them there is no other Lord. Don't be going out and serving other gods. And along with there is one Lord, thou shalt love the Lord, verse 5, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Those three words, they talk about a lot of things, but anything you do with all your heart, all your soul and all your might is going to be evident in your life. Again, that's people think that churches, it's sometimes we may be reverent, sometimes we may be quiet, and sometimes it may be calm. But to say we don't have any emotional connection to God is to misunderstand what love is. Some of us have a stronger emotional connection to chocolate than Jesus. <laughs> Some people, you put a a juicy cheeseburger on their plate and their heartbeat literally starts to quicken. 
And they start to salivate. And all of a sudden they were in a bad mood. But as soon as they take a few bites, all of a sudden they're nice again. It's called being hangry. Being so hungry, you're angry. We even have a term for it. Being hangry. Because our emotions are involved with everything we do. If we say they're not, we're liars. So when we love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our might, we don't have, we're not just around here faking it. We're not, we shouldn't be out here putting a show on. But I should get involved with Him on an emotional level, on an intellectual level, a spiritual level, with a physical response. Because the outward is a demonstration of what's going on inside. Some of us are better at faking it. But some of us, as soon as we walk in the room, we know if you're happy or not. We don't have to ask you, how's your day going? We just take a little bit of a step over the other way. And we say, well, God bless you. I'll talk to you when you're happy. Because I like my head and I wanted to get bit off. We learn to serve God with, with everything. Our desires are included. These three words, I'm just going to mention a few things are included. Our heart, our soul, our might. That includes our desires. When we love Him with everything, our desires begin to become His desires. When we delight in the Lord, the book of Psalms verse 34 says, He will give us. That means He will impart the desires of our heart. He will give us new desires. There's times when I'm ashamed of my desires. There's times where I don't want anybody else to even know something flashed in my mind or it came into my heart to do. But God says, if you're ashamed of your desires, come to me and I'll give you new desires. Come to me and I will change what you desire in life. And when you have a strong desire for something, nothing will stand in your way. Again, in America, we're well behaved, but if you go 30 days without food and there's some food somewhere close, your desire is going to cause you to become desperate to get that food. You're going to do whatever it takes to feed yourself and your loved ones. You're going to get desperate. Our affections. We love the things that God loves the more we draw close to Him. And, and conversely, we learn to hate the things that he hates. We learn to set our affection on things above instead of everything here on earth. We live to show people a life of heaven as much as possible on earth. We show them righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's where the kingdom of God is. Our purposes start to align with his purposes. We begin to pursue why He created us. There's nothing wrong with doing job profiles and trying to figure out what you're good at. But I ask you, before you make any major decisions, say, God, what is your purpose? God, what would you have me to do? Is this part of your purpose for my life? Because if I'm going to give Him everything, I can't do my own thing. Our will becomes submitted to His will. We choose life. 
We choose to follow Him. We choose to submit to His Word. We choose to love others. We choose to live a life pleasing to Him. Not grudgingly. Not because someone is telling me I have to do it. Not because I'm trying to avoid getting in trouble. But because I joyfully and cheerfully choose to live for Him. I'm not motivated by guilt and shame and worried about what everybody else is going to think. But I'm doing it because I want to do it for Him. And again, our feelings, we can't live by our feelings alone. We have to learn to subject our feelings to the truth of God's Word. We don't let feelings dominate our life. We don't make all of our decisions based on feelings. But we understand that our feelings need to be in line with God, what God wants us to do. We choose to love Him and worship Him and serve Him passionately and emotionally. Why should we apologize for our passion for Jesus Christ? We don't go through the store on Valentine's Day with our, our bouquet of roses as men and, and every person we pass, I'm sorry I'm buying these flowers for my wife. You know, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't be buying this for her. You know what? I, she doesn't deserve these flowers. I don't know why I'm buying them for her. I, you know, I... You don't go apologizing to everyone. So why do we apologize for our worship? Why do we apologize for living for Jesus Christ? Why should we have to apologize? If you don't want to love my wife, just continue taking that example a little further. That's your decision. But I'm going to love her. You can think whatever you think about her, but at the end of the day, it doesn't change my opinion of her. I love her. You can say whatever you want about Jesus Christ. You can say whatever you want about the Word of God, but at the end of the day, it's not going to change my opinion. It's not going to change the fact that I love Him. And He is worthy of my praise. Our character is involved with our worship when we pursue godliness, we pursue holiness and purity. We allow God's Spirit to shape who we are from the inside out. Again, I'm challenged by this every day because there are things in me that have to change. There are things in me that are wrong. And every single day I have to do my best to let God change me from the inside out. I want my character to reflect Him to the world. I want to surrender myself to Him. I want to be transformed by Him. I want my mind, my heart, my desires, my motives, my dreams, my purpose, and my passions to be submitted to Him. Not the other way around, which is what so many of us want to do. We want Jesus to follow us. People in our society say, well, if Jesus was this way, I'd follow Him. If Jesus was this way, I'd be a Christian. Or they just go ahead and change the word of God and say, he probably didn't really mean that, but I'll still follow him, but, but I'll do my own thing because I know better. And lastly, our thoughts, when we begin to love him with everything, we will meditate on his word day and night. Because everything we are begins on the inside before it ever gets to the outside. And we have our minds washed and renewed by the Word of God. It's the truth that filters all of the lies in our world. 
I'm not saying everything we hear is a lie. It's not. I'm not saying everything the media produces is wrong because it's not. But anything that is produced that is contrary to his word is a lie. Doesn't matter who says it. It doesn't matter how smart they are. It doesn't matter if they have more degrees than a thermometer. I don't care. I'm not impressed. That just means you have more paper on your wall. I don't care if you speak 500 languages fluently. The Word of God is true. And anybody else is a liar. Myself included. We must have a revival of a love for the Word of God. Again, today my desire is because of the backlash in our society. There are people that are trying to come against the Word of God. Both within the church and without the church. It's not just another piece of literature. We can't believe somehow it's been changed by man. Either God can save His Word or He can't. If God can't save His Word, how can He save me? If I don't believe God can preserve His Word, I can't believe He can save me. It's a matter of faith. There's no other form of understanding or philosophy or religion that can save us. Colossians 2, 8 through 10, Paul warns us. He said, beware. Hey, that's a word that means there's some trouble. I wish I could say there was no trouble in our world today. Just put it on cruise control. But we've got to beware. Lest any man spoil us through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world or the teachings of the world, the beliefs of the world. And who is the ruler of this world? reason we don't follow the ruler of this world is because it's Satan. And I'm not talking about the one with the pitchfork and horns who just whispers into your ear. But the spiritual authority that tries to deceive the very elect. And tries to make the world turn against the Lord. Because these things, it says, if they turn you away from Christ, they are trouble. For in Christ, Paul says, in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Everything that God is was inside the body, the man, Christ Jesus. You don't need anything else. I know Fred Meyer says there's a one-stop shop, right, Sister Kim? What's on your list today? You find it at Fred Meyer. Jesus is better than Fred Meyer. He can truly satisfy whatever's on your list. You don't have to go anywhere else. Because we are complete in Him, verse 10 says. Who is the head of all principality and power. People that are contrary to the Bible lead us away from Christ. The Bible's central message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everything in the Old Testament was pointing to it. And everything in the New Testament is revealing it. The gospel is the central message of the word of God. The life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the reason that we have good news today. Not just good news, but the best news in all the world. And that's why the enemy doesn't want us to hear it. And we're living in a world that doesn't value the Word of God. They don't value the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And I'm not saying it to be negative today. I'm just saying it's reality, but it doesn't have to change anything in us. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. People that are perishing think the cross is foolishness. If we think that the Bible being unpopular, Christianity being popular is some new thing, we're deceived. It's been around since the beginning. But here's the part we focus on. Unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. This Bible may be foolish to somebody else, but to me it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world was by wisdom knew not God. Okay, there's a wisdom in the world that doesn't know God. And it's not really wisdom, it's actually foolishness. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. It's ironic this year that Easter's on April Fool's Day. Because that day normally belongs to atheists. A man came before the judge. I'm tired of all these Christian holidays. We need a holiday. The judge said, you have one, sir. It's April 1st. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews it's a stumbling block. Something they trip over and it makes them upset. If you stumble across something in your floor and you're not happy about it. If you have toddlers, you can especially relate to this. Sometimes I hate Legos. They may think Legos are safe. They're not safe. Only Chuck Norris can step on a Lego and break it. The rest of us experience pain. And gnashing of teeth. And Christian cuss words. A stumbling block. The cross was an offense to the Jews. They wanted a Messiah with a cape. They wanted him to fly in and save the day. They wanted him to rise up and destroy their human oppressors. They wanted him to get rid of the Romans so they could sit on the throne. And they could rule. And Jesus said, I didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one. Will we still serve God? Will we still follow Him regardless of our health, our wealth, our fame, and our fortune? Are we going to follow Jesus even if He doesn't give us the mansion and the private jet and the yacht? we got to understand the rules and the rewards of heaven are far greater. Foolishness. The Greeks love their philosophy. This reminds me very much of our current day. 
The Greeks loved to sit around and wax eloquent and pontificate their notions concerning the mysteries of life. And I enjoy Starbucks and I go there and we talk there too, but there's a lot of people there who just sit there with their nose in the air and speak about the world and all that is going on and how they have it figured out. So wise. I want to sit at their feet and say, please teach me, thou great one. I had college professors and their words would drip with sarcasm and they, they were so arrogant in their approach. And again, that's why I pray today there's no arrogance in my spirit, but they would be arrogant about their position and they're thinking they understand all the mysteries of the world as if somehow their three pound brain was bigger than God. Stephen Hawking, and again, I don't mention these men to, to but they've, they've made it very publicly, that very public that they are against God, so, so their names come up to my mind. But I, would, I want them to repent and be saved, but Stephen Hawking, Charles Darwin, the self-proclaimed four horsemen, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Daniel Dennett, Sam Harris, and all these others who sit around and talk about how smart they are. And people like Bill Nye, the science guy, who says Christians who teach their children about Christianity are giving them brain damage. And all these men who are ridiculous. And people that sit on The View and say the vice president hears from Jesus and that's a mental illness. She said, it's one thing to pray to God, but if He responds, you have a mental illness. We have these people thinking they're so smart. I applaud their intelligence to a certain degree. Many of them, if not all of them, may be much smarter than I am, much, much more intellectual, get a better score on the SAT, or however you want to judge or, or calculate our intelligence. But they are not smarter than the creator of the universe. Everything that's created is only created to the ability of those who create it. And if we see anything in man that is impressive, it is only because their creator is far more impressive. Some people may be able to sound smart with circular logic and vain philosophy and fancy words and high-sounding rhetoric and other devices, but they are not wiser than God. Just a few more minutes and we'll, we'll be done here today. But I just have this on my heart today. I want us to be understanding we do not need to be ashamed of the gospel just because people are making fun of it and people are saying it's outdated and people are saying it's wrong. Verse 24, But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. If God was somehow foolish or God was somehow weak, even in that weakness, even in that foolishness, it's far greater than the wisdom or the strength of man. There are a few people in our culture that are rampage against the word of God. Excuse me for 
repeating myself, but these same people advocate for equal rights and, and they're against bullying and they're against anybody uh, not believing in their opinion and they're regularly exercising their freedom of speech and platforms of influence to condescendingly and ironically self-righteously bully people for believing in the Bible. And as a result, Bible-believing Christians are sometimes reduced to timid, secretive members of society that will be afraid that someone will find out that we are the lunatics who believe that the Word of God is actually true. Like David, we're hiding out in caves saying, please don't find me. I hope no one at work discovers I'm crazy enough to believe the Bible. I hope nobody discovers how much of an idiot I am because I believe the Word of God. Because people will despise us. And they will come against us for simply believing the Word of God. Jesus would say, if they did it to me, how do we expect it not to be done to us as we follow Him. Now Jesus would have just behaved how they wanted Him to behave. And if He would have just quit being God and just try to be like everyone else and fit in in every environment He went into, maybe He wouldn't have got crucified. Maybe they wouldn't have been so angry and mad and constantly plotting to destroy Him. But He was... God in the flesh. And he didn't change for anybody. He didn't go around apologizing for what he stood for. Again, the balance is we don't become arrogant. We don't become jerks. We don't don't lower ourselves to that level. But we don't need to back down to anybody. Wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And what I'm about to say, I'm not bringing the gun debate into this conversation, okay? It's just something that works, okay? We need to have the Bible holstered and ready. Okay? I'm not talking about school shootings and guns. Okay? I'm talking about the Word of God. Holstered and ready. I don't want to have a concealed Bible permit. I don't want to be carrying it so there's not even a bump in my jacket so nobody knows where it is. I don't want it in a holster underneath my pant leg. I want to carry it right out in the open. I want to have one, like in the Old West days, on the horse. A big old rifle just sitting right in the holster of the horse. Have a six-shooter on each side. Gun right here, gun back here. I carry as many as I can carry. So anybody comes across me, they know it's on. It's on like Donkey Kong. Bring it. I hope you got a lot of bullets because I got a lot of Bible. I am ready. I bet you a lot of those shooters in the Old West couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. But they knew how to get out there. Flicking those spurs. 
They just stand there waiting. I dare somebody to draw. And then later on they walk away like, I'm glad nobody fought me because I couldn't see nothing. I wouldn't have been able to shoot anybody. It's a good thing nobody responded. But they had the swagger and they had the guns. We need to be armed and dangerous at all times. We need to have the word of God locked and loaded. We need to make sure that we are ready for whatever the enemy would bring. Romans 1.15 displays this kind of attitude. And I'm trying really hard to close real soon. Romans 1.15. So as much as is in me. This is our attitude, okay? This is us. This is Christians. In our society. Where people are trying to pick a gunfight with us, okay? Literally and figuratively. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you. As much as is what? In me. Because it's what he has put in me that I have to give you. I'm not preaching about something I don't understand or I don't know. But it has come to me. It has changed me. It has renewed me. And I am ready at all times to preach. Well, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. If you are a believer, the commandment to all believers is to what? Preach the gospel to every creature. You don't have to stand behind a pulpit to be a preacher. You just have to declare the word of God. And it's time for us to get out of our hiding and declare the word of God. Ready at all times to preach the gospel. I want to be ready. For I am not ashamed, Paul said. I know you guys don't agree with it, Paul saying. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it's the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. And he goes on to say more. But we're going to skip it. Because we have a baby shower. And baby showers are important. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Romans goes on, and you can read it later for homework. But that first chapter of Romans talks about the people who, are not, who don't give into the word and who they, they profess themselves to be wise, but they become fools. In verse 27, we'll just read through these quickly. And if it doesn't remind you of our day, I don't know what does. Likewise, Romans 1.27, also the men leaving the natural use of women. In other words, turning away from a relationship with the woman as they should have and turning to an, another man. Burning their lust one toward another. Men with men working that which is unseemly. And receiving in themselves that recompense of their error. It's an error to be that way. The Bible doesn't say it's okay. It says it's an error. And again, I'm no better than anybody. But we're seeing that in our day. Because people are turning 
from the Word of God. They're turning the truth of God into a lie. And they're going to receive a reward for their error. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, they didn't want to think about Him. They didn't want to learn about Him. So God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It's not convenient to be a sinner. People think it's inconvenient to be a Christian. Try sinning. Pretty soon it's going to be rather inconvenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, and whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same but even have pleasure in them that do them. Not only are people rejecting the word of God, not only are people exercising these things of unrighteousness, their self, but they are having pleasure and rejoicing in those that do them. It's one thing to struggle and sin and try not to sin and ask God for his mercy. We're all Sinners saved by grace. We're all making mistakes that we have to repent of each day. But it's a whole nother thing to rejoice over evil. That's where it becomes a major problem. When we rejoice in evil. When we rejoice in the things that are not of God. We need to love the word of God. We need to unapologetically declare it in everything we do. And maybe next week we spend more time on this, but read through just a couple of verses and then a conclusion. Back in Deuteronomy 6, again, reminds you of what we read in the beginning. We're talking about this. We shall keep these words in our hearts. We shall teach them diligently Unto our children. We shall talk of them when we sit in our house. When we walk by the way, that means out there, anywhere else we go. And when we lie down and when we rise up. One of my favorite things to say. I'm sure it's not original with me. But if we would put our face in the book as much as we get on Facebook, we would be completely different. I use Facebook. I have an account. I'm not saying, if you have Facebook, you're going to hell. Lighten up, everyone. But what I'm saying is, if we spend as much time in this book as we do on social media, we would be different. It's just so ironic to me that it's called Facebook. Thou shalt bind them as a sign on your hand. that shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. You shall write them on the post of thy house and on thy gates. The word of God in all we do at all times to take it to ourselves and to teach it to others.
A former park ranger at Yellowstone National Park tells a story of a ranger leading a group of hikers to a fire lookout. The ranger was so intent on telling the hikers about the flowers. You've been with these guys that are tour directors, right? They're telling you about everything, where it came from, how it started. And he's so caught up in telling them about the flowers and the animals and sharing his wealth of knowledge. He switched his two-way radio off because it was distracting him. Ah, these guys are, I'm here trying to tell them about the flowers and they're on here making noise. I'm shut this thing off. Nearing the tower, the ranger was met by a nearly breathless lookout. Someone who came running at full speed. Who asked him, why have you not responded to the messages on your radio? Well, I shut it off. I was talking. I was sharing with these people. Well, if you would have had your radio on, you would have heard that you are being stalked by a grizzly bear. (laughs) That bear is wanting to have you and these people that you're talking about flowers and animals... Byron's on this target for lunch. Reminds me of a really corny joke. Which a lot of things do. Pretty much everything I hear. The bear was about to eat somebody. And the person said, Lord, please turn this bear into a Christian. And the bear was almost to him and he fell on his knees and he said, Lord, please bless this food I'm about to eat. (laughs) Told you, it's corny. (laughs) But the problem we have sometimes is we get so caught up in life, we're so busy doing things our own way and we're not even meaning to do anything bad but we turn off the communication from heaven we tune out God's word people say does God still talk to people yes he does have you ever heard the audible voice of God yeah I did because listen to this Lord thou hast been favorable unto thy land Ooh, I just heard the voice of God All you got to do is open and read it to yourself and you hear the voice of God. Pretty cool, huh? And they have all these Bible apps. You can just open them up and listen. Or you're going to sleep. I'm hearing the voice of God. Yes, you are spiritual. We can stand. I messed with some of you too bad right there. Some of you got almost upset. But in a sense that you're thinking of, God does talk to us through His Spirit. He gives us what we call a rhema word, which is right now, what we need at this moment. But the logos word, the plan of God, doesn't change. Nothing's ever going to change what the Bible says. If we will follow the word of God, we will never be wrong. And that gives me 
a lot of security because, again, it's just downright confusing to try to keep up with all the talking heads in our society. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to tweet it and post it and share it. Who's right? You can find out real easy. Are they saying what the Bible says? If they are, they're good. If they're not saying what the Bible says, they're wrong. And that's not arrogant. That's not prideful because it's not me saying I'm right, you're wrong. I'm saying the Bible's right. That God made. God created. God spoke. So you don't have to be confused. You don't have to question. We're all going to be confused at times, but you don't have to stay that way. You just go to the Word of God and say, God, what would you have me do? And peace comes when we begin to walk in His Word. The Word was never meant to be a club over our head. Sometimes we have to, God has to bring it high and tight to get our attention, brush us off the plate a little bit. But He wants it to be something that we are putting in our heart with joy. Saying, God, show me the path of life. Show me how to live abundantly here and show me how to live eternally there. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So Lord, help me in this day and age of all that's going on, all the conflicting messages, all the confusion. Help me to make a a new commitment today to surrender to your word. And to answer all my hard questions by, what does the Bible say? What does the Word of God say? And just keep it simple. If I don't know, I'm going to look in the Bible. And I'm going to find out what God says. Lord, I pray you bless everyone who's here today. I pray that you help us to be closer to you than we've ever been before. I, I pray as we leave that we will know that we are loved by you. I pray that we see the counsel of your word. That just as the early church was given the gospel, that we have the gospel today. The life, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That gives us the opportunity to repent of our sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins. And to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. For that promise is unto us, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. We thank you for your word today, that we can be confident because of your word. I know you created all of us with gifts and abilities. You made all of us intelligent in different ways. But we understand that we're not smarter than you. Forgive us. For making decisions without asking you. Forgive us for trying to figure out our own way. And forgive us for being quiet when we need to speak up. Not so we can prove we're right, but so somebody else can know what your word says. 
So someone else, even if it's one person, will be saved through our testimony. Our testimony of the truth of your word. Because we know that we're going to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Lord, we pray that we will love your word more. As we close today, just if you don't mind, everybody, I close so you don't have to worry about someone thinking you're weird. But take your Bible and maybe it's your phone that has an app on it. Just put it to your heart and say, Lord, I want to love your word. I want to love your word more than ever before. I remember when I first came back to the Lord as a teenager at Bible school, there were many nights where I curled that Bible to my chest and I went to sleep holding my Bible because I loved it so much. I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. I don't want to start loving something else more. But I want to have His Word close to my heart and in my heart at all times. Not to impress other people, just to be religious, but to respond to Your incredible love. To be more like You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus.